podcast called Live in the Stream comes to you each week. Streaming recommendations during NFL season, it's not just tongue and cheek. Quarterback, defense, tight end recommendations based on opposition matchup. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter, Living the Stream. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Living the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson, the late round quarterback, and I am joined by my lovely, lovely co host, Denny Carter, tonight. Denny, how's it going, man? Not bad, man. I'm, I'm glad to be back, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that uh, Evan Silva could uh, hold down the fort, you know, while, while I was away. I was, I was afraid because, you know, he's not very experienced in, in the fantasy world. I, I thought that there might be something lacking there, but no. Um, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't really know what he's doing. Right. I mean, I TV yeah. Team. To be perfectly honest, I mean, I, I, all I see him talk about is his is baseball FanDuel lineups. Anyway, so you know. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I have a uh, I have a sticky on my MacBook here uh, of of the verbs that he's used when he's uh, making a FanDuel lineup. Oh, he has. <laughs> he's used. He's 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 tapped his lineup. He's trotted them. He's spun, spun. them. Rolled. Rolled them and twirled them. I really like twirl. In, twirl, in, yeah. Who are you twirling? I'm twirling John Lester tonight. In that context, I mean, when, when someone says, you know, it says to me, "Hey, hey, do you do you follow Evan Silva on Twitter?" I say, "Yeah, I, I do actually. Uh, he's the, um, the the daily fantasy baseball expert, right?" Right. Yeah, and he he has awesome verbs. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Two things about Evan Silva: he loves daily baseball and he loves good verbs. Great verbs. Absolutely. He loves twirling. Anyway, how how uh, how was your absence last week? Did it did you have fun yeah. without without talking to me? Oh uh, well, that goes without saying. Uh, I, right, but, of course. Uh, yeah, I was I was doing a a, a live uh, radio thing where I was judging a fantasy draft as it as it as it went on in the in the. Studio. Oh God, that had to be terrible. And it was, um, you know, there were a lot of really solid picks, and then someone picked, uh, but someone picked Peyton in the middle of the first round. And, um, and then, and then I started screaming. I think I, I might've punched someone in the neck. I don't even remember. I, I, uh, I, I completely blacked out and, uh, ended up in the hospital three days later. But, you know, besides that, I mean, I thought that it was really, it went well, you know, that, so that's good. Uh, but uh, you know, in, in my, uh, in my absence, I was just, I was kind of looking through some, some podcasts, uh, that are out there that, you know, might have a smaller, uh, listenership than, than others. And, I found some really random ones, including this one that actually was like a bizarro world living the stream. Uh, I I don't know. I really yeah. It's uh, it's a, they they call they call themselves a killing the stream. And uh, interesting. So I I actually brought a clip if if you want to go ahead and play that. Yeah yeah yeah. I'll play it. I'll play it real quick. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Killing the Stream. I'm your host Kenny Darter, and we're here today to review some of our basic. 2014 draft strategies and here we go just as a reminder of every show we get Peyton we get Jimmy Graham we get Calvin Johnson we win our league period it's very simple we're going to go to Twitter now to answer a question looks like this one is about Rashad Jennings looking like a like a value play of some sort I uh I, I, I honestly, if I'm being perfectly honest, I don't even know who Rashad Jennings is. Um, I would just tell that follower, get Peyton, get Jimmy Graham, get Calvin Johnson, boom, boom, boom. You win. You win, you win, you win. It's easy. You kill the string. You don't string positions. You get the best of the best, and you forget the rest. Do you understand me? We're going to go to another Twitter question here. Okay, this person's asking about... Something named Kenny Britt. It looks like I, I'm not, I don't know. Do you, do you know who this is? Mm, never mind. Well, apparently he's a football player of some kind. He's going in the 15th round. I didn't even know there was a 15th round. I always leave my drafts after three rounds after I get my guys. And you know who my guys are. My guys are Peyton, they're Jimmy Graham, and they're Calvin Johnson. You get those guys, you win every time. That's what we do. We win. We kill the stream. We're going to commercial break. Wow, that is that is incredible. I can't believe that exists. 
Yeah, I mean that's like a, a thing, you know. You you just you you know you get Peyton Manning, I guess, and and Jimmy Graham, and I guess Calvin Johnson, like the guy said, and and boom. I mean, I guess you have you your need. you have your championship. It's also incredibly weird, you know. Kenny Darter. That's I, completely it, bizarre. I'm I'm I wonder if there's a co-host named ZZ Jackerison. I I mean I was half expecting that, you know, I, but I, would, I yeah. guess I mean, yeah. but look, I mean. I think that it's a really simple, it's a really, you know, plain, simple approach. Uh, I, I, I envy, you know, someone who can take that approach, to be honest. Yeah, I'm glad, actually, that we're not talking about only streaming tonight, because we, I don't know how we would, how we would compete with that. Yeah, I mean, when you don't even have to draft past the third round, you right. know, then, then really, I mean, I think that you're on solid footing overall. Anyway, if, for anyone who's, who's interested in a, in a less nuanced uh, approach, you know, something where JJ and I don't have to bl- blabber about streaming options, then then go to Killing the Stream and and you know figure that out. That's yeah. good stuff. If you want to, if you want to be bad at fantasy football, go to Killing the Stream is what you really uh, mean. Yeah, I mean, or or if you just want to be in a one team league, you know. Oh, I love I love one team all Rams. League. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what did we have last year? The the one team, the 2009 All Rams team, or something. <laughs> yeah, we had, we had point, PPB leagues, points yeah, per block. Yeah. Yeah, we needed those. But the All Rams League was the oh, best. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think Nick Mencio rules the All, all Rams League. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, tonight, uh, Denny's back, of course, which is awesome. I'm excited for that. Uh, Silva did. did uh, he was all right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So. Silva was great last week. It was great having him on. Um, but tonight we're going to – we talked running backs last week. We're going to talk some wide receivers this week. Uh, just go over our general strategy, uh, some guys we like, some guys we don't like. Just kind of get at it. Hopefully we don't disagree too much. Well, hopefully we do because it's always fun when mommy and daddy fight. Yes. So anyway, Denny, let's just kind of jump into it. Do you have a general approach uh, to your wide receiver strategy this year? Um, you know, uh, it kind of breaks into two, uh, approaches for me. One is in industry type, uh, mock drafts and, and, and real drafts so far, like, like the, uh, apex, apex league draft that I did. A couple oh my God. The worst. That thing. Dude, my team sucks. Yeah, no, my, I'm, it's her. I'm actually embarrassed about my team. Uh, but <laughs> <team's terrible. laughs> I mean, it looks like I've, I've never actually composed a fantasy football team before. Um, but, uh, that, that league was so crazy wide receiver heavy. Uh, and I think Rich Rebar said it best. Um, would that league manage to squash ADPs by more than two rounds? Yeah. Oh, it was crazy. The, the wide receiver, like Aaron Dobson was like an eighth rounder. Like that's what it, that's what it came down to. Like guys like that were being, and, and the problem was, the problem was I thought that I was being, I was zigging when everyone was zagging and I was like feeling decent about it. And I got four running backs in the first five yeah. rounds and hopefully, hopefully I can trade one of them and then like be relatively okay. Yeah. But my God, it, it got so it, ugly. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so really, I mean, they're, I felt like like going wide receiver heavy was just foolish at 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 some point because there you know there I would I would have to take sixth round guys in the fourth round. Um so I I went you know running back heavy for the most part in the, you know in the first six six seven rounds of that draft. Um uh but in like casual mocks uh I find that uh going wide receiver heavy early on is a really viable option. And so like, you know, people listening out there, uh, if you have like your home league draft coming up and, you know, and that, and it tends to kind of, uh, you know, people taking uh, quarterbacks in the first round and second round and everything. Um, I, I would really suggest looking at that wide receiver heavy approach to start because you can, you can still, you can still grab guys, you know, still grab running backs in the fourth, fifth, fifth, sixth and seventh rounds uh, that, that could, that could easily be starters. Uh, so you really have to see how your draft is going, but in, in industry mocks, I just find it, uh, almost impossible to just go nuclear wide receiver early. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, unless you're, unless you're Sean Siegeling it and, and going and yes, I made him into a verb as well. Um, (laughs) word, Word of the podcast is just verb. Yes. Um, but he, if you go zero RB like that, uh, obviously that's whenever you go wide. Like he started out with six wide receivers in that draft. 
Um, but but yeah, it was it was it was crazy. But the the one thing too with the elite wide receivers, because I'm with you, I think having one of the running backs is great, or having a, you know a top round and a half running back because I think that's where kind of that. Now it's becoming like a Marshawn line or Le'Veon Bell line yeah. uh, of running backs. That's kind of where I view where I would start looking at wide receivers. Um, if you can get a guy, you know, if you can get one of the elite wide receivers in the second round, basically, you know, I, I hate to reference these all the time, but if you look at the bust rate stuff that I worked on last month, um, those top six wide receivers are, are so, so just, just awesome from a consistency perspective. You're looking mm-hmm. at, uh, 73.33% of those top six receivers that are drafted uh, will finish as wide receiver ones in fantasy. And it, it basically, if you look at wide receivers ranked 13th through 18th, and then wide receivers ranked 19th through 24th, historically in fantasy football, I know that I'm jumping from, I didn't include 7 through 12 there, but if you look at wide receiver 13 to 18 and wide receiver 19 to 24, you're essentially getting the exact same uh bust rates uh, that you would between the two groups. So it might not be very advantageous to get a guy at wide receiver 13 to wide receiver 18 whenever you can get them a round or so later. So to Denny's point, it might be better to go running back then. The problem is is that your third round running backs are going to be, and and fourth round running backs are going to be a little bit iffy. Um, You're going to feel a little bit worse, but if you hedge your bets, and this is why, like, you know, in general, I like going three RB with one wide receiver in the first four rounds. I think that that, that is – you're hedging your bets. You're getting – and then in the fifth, hopefully a guy like Michael Floyd is there as your wide receiver too. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I really suggest uh, anybody out there listening who, who hasn't yet read uh, JJ's um, Bust Rate article on Numberfire or his series of articles on Numberfire uh, to check out particularly the running back piece because mm-hmm. I, I just found that to be uh eye opening slash terrifying to my core. Um it's pretty terrifying. I mean there I mean there was stuff in, in there and I don't have it pulled up right now. But I mean there there were groups of running backs that actually have a zero percent chance. Yeah. Our, so over over the last five years RB thirty one to RB thirty six has produced zero RB one. Zero I mean, I mean, zero. Not even one. Which is the sixth? That's like the sixth round of of uh, sixth and seventh round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're not talking about twelfth, uh, thirteenth, fourteenth round. We're talking yeah. about you got to load up early, bro. Yeah, I mean that that's uh, that that should really. I mean, you you have to be rock solid in your evaluation of players to to trust you know trust that you can find a, a legit usable. And, back yeah, around. and. And not to go on a tangent, but that's kind of why Sean's uh, zero RB strategy can work because if you're not going to go running back early, you just shouldn't go running back at all is basically what right. that mm-hmm. tells you. You know, if you're not going to get them in the first five rounds, there's no point on getting six of them and hoping one of them hits because chances are you're not going to get the guy that hits. It's just the way that it works. Um, so anyway, I think that's the general approach. Are you are you any sort of like zero wide receiver believer? Are you just going to go like five straight rounds of running backs before getting your first wide out? You know, I, I mean, I've seen people do that. I, I was in uh, Joe's ver- uh, Joe's versus Pro's uh, draft in which uh, a couple people, uh, I think, took running backs with at least their first five picks. And um, mm. um, I mean, on an anecdotal level, I don't get it. Uh, and, and, uh, I, I, I really think that, uh, there's some sort of balanced approach is in order uh, unless, unless the rest of your league is totally unbalanced and it's really opening up areas for exploitation for, for you. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think like balance is like people, people think that you have to, a lot of people will think that you have to be super risky or you can't be balanced at the beginning of drafts, but I think that you can you can use your risky picks past, you know, round seven and eight, and you're that's where you're bringing in the upside in, in your draft. I mean, that's just the way that I think both of well, I think you're a little bit riskier than I am early on, but in general, it's the the idea of hedging your bets at at the the non onesie positions at wide receiver and running back, and ensuring that you're going to get production from those spots week in and week out. Right, and and you know I um, again uh, I've done mocks. I actually posted the results of a couple mocks um, last month, uh, in in which I took re- wide receivers with my first three picks. I know that's not exactly 
you know, uh, a, like a, like a, a true legit zero running back approach. But, um, uh, and I ended up really liking those rosters. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not opposed to that at all. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we have the same kind of general strategy with wideouts this year. So let's start, let's dig into actual guys. Like last week I said, this is probably what people are, are going to want to hear about, um, uh, just in general to see who they should be drafting. Um, so let's just start it off. Uh, same question I asked last week with the running backs. Uh, who are some of your favorite wide receivers to target over the first five rounds of a typical draft? And this is all based on uh, fantasy football calculator ADP. Okay. Um, yeah, I have, um, uh, and I've been tweeting it out pretty much nonstop. So my um, uh, wide receiver equity scores uh, are up on xnsports.com, the fantasy football um, uh, page of XN Sports. And, um, and really, uh, the, the most, you know, uh, most guys I'm targeting are – RB, I'm sorry, wide receiver 18 and and below. So eight, right now, wide receiver 18 is Andre Johnson, um, mm. and uh, so right right in that in that area from like from like 18 to um, uh, to 40 are, is 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 an area where I see a lot of really p- uh, great potential targets, uh, including mm. uh, Andre Johnson, uh, Roddy White, who comes right after. Um, yep. Uh, and I'm, you know, my, I feel kind of disingenuous saying Michael Floyd since everybody loves Michael Floyd, but, but I think that, I think that everybody like industry types love Michael Floyd a lot more than the general public. Oh yeah. I got, I did a, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, but I was doing my brother's work league draft last night and I was tweeting about it and being kind of obnoxious about it. So I apologize to people who follow me, but um, Michael Floyd, it's a 14 team draft and I got Michael Floyd at the end of the fifth in a 14 team. Exactly. Draft. So, I mean, you just be aware, you know, when you, when you see us talking about a player going in the third round of some sort of industry draft, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean much for, for general drafts. I, I sound like an elitist, mm-hmm. but it, I mean, that's just the way, that's just the way it goes. So, you know, Floyd's going wide receiver 23. I'm targeting him everywhere. Um, Torrey yeah. Smith and, you know, I really was not. I I didn't understand the appeal of of Tory at that price until mm-hmm. I read some of, of Rich's analysis on, on Rotoviz, uh, in which he really showed how Tory could uh, could thrive in Gary Kubiak's offensive system. Yep. And yep. you know, Tory Smith's going wide receiver twenty six. Okay, right before Jer- uh, I'm sorry, right yeah, right after Jeremy Macklin. Now, to me. Those two are not really in the same conversation. I could be wrong, but I I really don't consider Macklin in the Tory Smith area. I ha- I have Tory's ceiling uh, right on right on the edge, the very edge of of top twelve territory. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, so he's he's a guy I'm targeting. And um, speaking of, speaking of Tory, really quick, and a really really interesting fact. So Brandon Gadula, who writes for Number Fire, mm-hmm. he wrote an article today on Tory Smith and. He had a nugget that I didn't even realize. Torrey Smith has never – he's being drafted as a 26th wide receiver right now. He's never finished worse than the 23rd wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. I actually remember that. that that's, a, that's a great point. And I saw that piece on number five. That was really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so just throwing it out there yeah, with Torrey. So, I mean, he's a great, he's a great value. Okay, yeah. So with Torrey Smith, you're not talking about a, a, a situation in which we're saying this guy who finished at wide receiver – 38 last year is going to make this enormous leap to near top 12 status. Um, we're, we're, you know, we're talking about a guy who would say he never finished, but worse than he never finished worse than wide receiver 23. And he's now yeah. being drafted as wide receiver 26. Yeah. And he has a better situation right, right. now. Right, I feel like he's a, he's an ideal and Eric Decker's the same way to me. Yeah. He's he, those uh, Tory and Decker are two guys who you can draft at their floor price and hope mm-hmm. for their ceiling, and that's that's yeah. really that's really a, a a huge luxury in fantasy football, uh, and, and one that shouldn't be overlooked. So th- those are some of the the guys in the middle rounds that I'm looking at. Yeah, I uh, those are those are definitely some of the guys that I had in my list. Uh, and two other guys, I'll talk early, early. Uh, one guy that I think is just in general being overlooked, only because I think he could be one of the top three wide receivers this year is Jordy Nelson. Um, so if you can get him in the second round, I think it's a steal. Uh, I've been targeting him almost everywhere. If you think about it, so two years ago he was hurt, and this is after he was the number two wideout uh, 
behind Calvin in, in 2011. Correct, he was behind Calvin. He wasn't. No, no, he was two, but by a long yeah. shot, yeah. Right, right, right. So, uh, but then, so then he was hurt in the next year in 2012. Then Rodgers got hurt. What people don't realize is last year, Jordy Nelson with Scott Tolzien and Matt Flynn and and Aaron Rodgers as well still finished with 1,300 yards and eight touchdowns. I mean, he was still a monster. He still he had as many top 24 weeks last year, wide receiver one or two performances as uh, uh, Larry Fitzgerald and Deshaun Jackson. And Deshaun Jackson was a beast last year. Um, so I think that the touchdown numbers can easily rise with with Aaron Rodgers back and healthy. Um, I, I think he's almost a lock to be a top five wide receiver this year. I think that, and I, I mean, I don't feel that confident about a lot of, you know, I feel confident that a lot of the early round wide receivers are going to uh, perform close to their ADP, but I don't think all of them have this significant upside built into their cost right. or, or not, not built into their cost. And I think Jordy's one of those guys that could really be a great value. You know, even if it's a, a round one value you're getting in round two, that's pretty significant. Equity. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I, I, I took Jordan Nelson in the, um, at the turn uh, of the first and second round, um, in a, in a four for four, a draft master, um, uh, best ball league. And, um, and I wrote as my reason, I said, I, I have him as a locked in, uh, top seven wide receiver with upside, if that even makes sense. Um, Right. So I'm, right. I am. I am very confident. I, I will say, uh, you know, maybe we should be worried about the Jeff Janis effect on Jordy. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, he, uh, could be, he could be. He could be benched at any moment. Uh, you know. That's true. That's true. Let me let me drop the Davis Maddock real quick. Davis Maddock. That's that's for you, Davis. Anyway, uh, the, the the other the only other guy I really want to talk about that was kind of early-ish in drafts um, is Roddy White, just because. I know fantasy football calculator has him in the fourth round. MFL has him even low, way lower than that. Uh, my fantasy league, um, but he really came on strong during the end of the, the last of last year. Whenever he started getting getting a little bit more healthy, um, he week thirteen he ranked fifth at wideout. Week sixteen he week sixteen he was a second ranked wideout. And over his last five games, he caught ten, eight, five, twelve, and eight passes, and had two games of one hundred and forty yards or more. I know. You know, and also they played defenses. I looked this up as well. They played Buffalo, San Fran, and Carolina, all who had strong, strong defenses last year. Um, so just in general, I think uh, I think Roddy's going to bounce back pretty strong. I think you know targets are gone from Tony Gonzalez. Not to say that Roddy's going to play that position, but um, you know I think I think there's plenty of plenty of volume to go around in that offense, even with a healthy Julio Jones for Roddy White to. To, to not necessarily easily live up to his fantasy football calculator value, which is wide receiver 15, but I think that he is he, he could easily be a wide receiver one at the end of the season. Yeah, I, I don't uh, disagree. I mean, you, you look at his splits um, from you know when he was hobbling around on that ankle uh, and then when he finally was healthy, uh, mm-hmm. and of course that was without Julio, so take, take that for what it's worth, but uh, his splits are... are, are you know, uh, there, there's an enormous difference between the production there. So, um, yeah. I, I agree a hundred percent. I I'm ending up with him in a log dress. Yeah, me too. Um, so are there, let's talk about some of the young guys. Are there any rookie wide receivers that you're actually targeting? I mean, rookie wide receivers historically are not strong in fantasy football. We've seen some come through over the last five or so years, like an AJ green, um, and, and a Keenan Allen last year. Um, are there any rookie wideouts that you're actually targeting on draft day, or are you using the waiver wire, you know, halfway through the season, which most people normally do um, once they kind of get get used to the speed of the NFL and get get used to what's going on at the NFL level? Um, are you using the waiver wire, or are you actually drafting some guys? Well, I want to say rest in peace, Brandon Cook's value. Uh, That's your boy, man. Oh, uh, man, you know, like be, right, like before that, before his great preseason debut. Uh, Cooks was, I think uh, I was getting him at the beginning of the ninth round, and and I felt pretty good about that. Now he's at he's at six ten on uh, yeah, fantasy crazy. football calculator, and you know you know that's just that's uh, that's you know I talked about buying a guy's floor and hoping for a ceiling. I feel like you're buying something pretty close to his ceiling. Oh, for sure. And um, and then and hoping for for much more. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm ex- I, I was excited. I still am excited about his potential to to eat up some of that 
Sprolesian type yardage in in that offense. Uh, so I'm not, you know, I I'm not waving the white flag. I know today on on, on Twitter, I know Evan Silva tweeted about his ADP, and then for the most part, the reaction was, ah, oh, forget it, this guy's dead to me. I'm not, you know, I'm not even looking at him there. Um, I I I have to admit that I'm not in the crowd who's dismissed him at six ten. But if he rises much more, then I think I've, I've checked out. I've got. I'm going to hop off that that bandwagon. Um, yeah. But he is. I, I do have. I do have on the eight the Apex League team. I, I actually have him, and I got. I got. I think I got him in the eighth. And there. Yeah, that's that's pretty solid. I got him in a in an auction. My big my home league auction this past weekend. Uh, I got him for only like six bucks out of my two hundred dollar budget, which is like all- it's a keep it's a keeper league too. Oh so. man, that's really yeah. That's really so. So I'm cool with I'm cool with Cooks. I I'm just with you though with his I you know, I'm I'm probably going to write him off more than you would just because I don't see, you know, where he's being drafted right now unless he falls. I just don't see, you know, right it's kind of he's being drafted ahead of Marcus Colson right now. Which is insane yeah. to me. Like I'm not even uh, people are going to listen to this and think that I, I, I one person in particular is going to listen to this and think that I'm this Marcus giant Marcus Colson fan, but I mean, just in general, like there's, I don't think there's any reason necessarily for him to be drafted ahead of Marcus Colson. So, yeah, because you know, we, when we talk about range of outcomes and everything, I, I really don't, I really don't think that it's outside the range of outcomes that Brandon Cooks does not outscore Marcus Colson this year. And I know that right. that sounds that sounds nutty. No, yeah, I agree. It's it's, it's all about. I'm, it's more about playing the odds than anything else. Like. I think I think Cooks can outscore him, sure, but I, I'm I'm saying you know the, the yeah. probability of that happening is not as strong as Marcus Colson outscoring him. Yeah, I I, w- I would lean to the side that says that Cooks over Colston is, I guess, is bad process. I can't overcome my love for Cooks. I can't. You love Cooks. I, my I, God, I, I had no idea that this love was so strong. It, I think it, you it, love him more than you love me. And it's weird. No, don't say that. Don't say that. Uh, <laughs> It, it's weird, you know, because you know he's, you know, he's a he's like a small receiver, and I usually don't really gravitate toward those guys. Uh, but he's but, just so cute. Uh, he's Jeebus. I just can't. Uh, I, I can't. I can't shake him. But you know, like I said, any like much more of a rise, and I think that I'm, I'm going to just escort myself off of that uh, that train there. Yeah, I hear that. Um, I'm going to, I, one, one rookie that I'm definitely targeting this year is Kelvin Benjamin. Um, uh, I think he's the best value by far of any of the rookie wideouts. You have him going after Sammy, uh, and Brandon Cooks. I don't, I'm, I'm pretty sure Mike Evans has dropped below him at this point. Yeah. Um, but even as a third, I think he's going to be the best fan, the best rookie wideout this year, uh, in fantasy. Um, you think of it this way. I mean, he's not only having a great camp. He's going to be the de facto red zone target for Carolina. They literally have nothing outside of their running game in the red zone. Um, and the other thing, I know this is this is kind of stupid to talk about, but um, Cam Newton doesn't have any chemistry with any wide receiver. It's not like he has a favorite target in that offense anymore other than Greg Olson. Uh, but at wide receiver, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I think just given the facts that we have right now, which is Every single person talking up Kelvin Benjamin here in Charlotte. I mean, it is crazy. It's it's absolutely nuts. Um, and the fact that he came out strong in the preseason, uh, their their preseason game, scored a touchdown. Um, I think that he's he's going to be. I mean, he could be, you know, maybe not a, a huge yardage guy, but I think that he had he could approach double digit touchdowns. It's not out of the realm of possibility. No, for no, him. of course not. Look at it. I mean, you know, the guy the guy's a giant. You know, I mean, he he's a guy who. If if Cam trusts him enough, he's going to get a lot of jump ball opportunities over cornerbacks who are six, seven, maybe even even eight inches shorter than him. Right. Um, so you know he doesn't have to be like wildly talented to um, uh, to to make that happen. I, I was looking at uh, targets uh, for uh, Carolina receivers last year. I saw that uh, you know Steve Smith had. 103 targets through 15, in, in 15 games played. Um, and then the next closest uh, was Brandon LaFell, who had who had 83. Oh, my God. That's so bad, just thinking that Brandon LaFell had 83 targets. Yeah, I know, I know. And But, you know, I mean, I I like, I mean, the, you know, what's to say that, you know, Benjamin doesn't see 100 to 110 
targets and uh yeah. that's you know you're you're paying um, a mid to late ninth round price for a guy who's going to see 110 targets as a as a primary guy i mean that you know you can't ask for for a whole lot more i i i do really like him uh um you know as immediate immediate value a lot yeah what about so let's just talk about sammy watkins because we have to um what how are you valuing him I you know I, I know like I'm not exactly a Watkins guy in the first place, but he's going in with the fifth pick of the seventh round, and he's been there forever. I mean, like this 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 isn't new. This isn't a new thing. I mean, just watch. Sammy Watkins is going to make a play this preseason. He's going to make one play, and and you're going to see him going at the beginning of the sixth round. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know. You, you you just have to remember that he's on what you know will probably be the run heaviest team in the league um with his quarterback and his quarterback is EJ Manuel uh exactly. and i just i just don't uh man i don't i don't get it i don't get it at all uh i mean you you look at the guys who are going after him that's what I, I, yeah I mean, I just think that it's, it's just crazy to me that people will will say, I'll take Sammy Watkins over Eric Decker. I don't exactly, that's exactly what I was going to say. It doesn't make any sense that Sammy Watkins – Davis is going to love this part of the podcast, by the way. Uh, <laughs> that It doesn't make any sense that Sammy Watkins is being drafted ahead of Eric Decker. It makes zero sense. I would take – I would probably take – I'm not even a Terrence Williams guy. I don't know. Whatever. But I would take Reggie – these are the next guys after Sammy Watkins – Reggie Wayne, I'd take over him. Golden Tate, I hate Kendall Wright, but I'd probably take uh, I'd probably take him over Sammy Watkins. Both yeah. of those guys are just whatever. Eric Decker, Ruben Randall, Dwayne Bowe, Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, it is crazy the guys that are going after Sammy Watkins when Sammy Watkins has a realistic touchdown total of like four or five this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just it, it's just the way that, that offense is. They're going to run more than any other team in the league potentially. Uh, EJ Manuel has shown nothing to make you believe that he's going to be legitimate this year. It's just, there's no reason to be targeting Sammy Watkins in fantasy football. I know that it's because of who he is and what he brings to the table and uh, how he was coveted out of the draft, um, mm-hmm. or in the draft, but but still, I mean, you got to be a little bit, little bit smart there whenever you're drafting Sammy Watkins because, remember, fantasy football isn't just about talent. It's about what's going, the opportunity that these players have and the offenses that they're in. Yeah, I mean, you, like, you know that you know that you're not drafting Sammy Watkins at at Clemson in 2013, right? Right, right. It's just it's it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, like pe- people know pe- do people know that? I think I think people know that. I hope people know that. Uh so I don't, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that he's like going to be this flame out or anything, but I'm just saying that uh, you know, if you're going to if you're going to go in on a guy like that, just make sure it's a value. I mean, right. Um, if it anyway. was, if it was, if it was 2005 when there weren't as many good, strong middle wide receivers like there are today, then sure, maybe go after him and go for that upside. But that's not the way the fantasy football is anymore. That's just that's right. just not how it works. So, um, and, and you yeah. look at the guys. You look at the. I mean, you you know Jordan Reed is going after Watkins. Just talking about other positions. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, you know, you have Greg Olson going after Watkins. Uh, so there's just so there's so much in that area that I would rather have that I don't even glance at Sammy Watkins. Yeah, in, I never do. Yep. Totally with you. Last last guy I want to touch on uh, is Jordan Matthews, uh, freak of yeah. a of a wide receiver. Um, to me, I'm a little bit worried. Uh, not worried. I think he's going to be strong. I don't think he's going to be a guy that has enough upside to. I mean, you know, it's fine if you want to draft him late and get maybe wide receiver two production some weeks and maybe he'll score a touchdown and whatnot. But I think that that, that offense in general is going to be pretty hard to predict week to week, especially a wide receiver. So, I mean, like I'm not against drafting Jordan Matthews. Um, but uh, at the same time, I don't, I don't know if he has the year long upside that, that he might on another team. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and this, uh, this gets into what something we're going to talk about, uh, and next but as far as late round flyers, I'm actually okay with Matthews. He's going early in the twelfth round, and and if he and if he continues to struggle uh, in, in the preseason, then I think uh, he could he could actually fall lower. 
so I'm actually okay with that, and I will wait until our next section to talk about why. But um, yeah, Matthews is going to be just as unreliable, I think, at times as Zach Ertz, right? Um, uh, unless and until Jeremy Macklin goes down uh, with an injury, which I think is about. Uh, let me check my watch. 18 minutes from now. Okay. We'll wait. Once, uh, once yeah. the 50 ish minute, uh, approaches on this podcast, that's, or maybe 52 or something with some audio dropped in, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll so, be talking about, we'll be pouring some out for Jeremy Macklin. Yeah. I'm a, I, I just poured one out just, just as a precursor. Nice. Nice. Well, so speak, so that those are kind of the rookies. Uh, Mike Evans, are you, I'm not, I haven't even thought about Mike Evans at this point. Just be, uh, there's, there's a lot of ambiguity there, um, yeah. and I don't really think it's it's worthwhile at all, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, he's going in the tenth round, so he he does cost something, right? Um, you know, I mean, he's a giant of a guy who I guess could 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 have you know like a multiple touchdown game here and there, um, but that that offense doesn't seem like one where where the number two receiver is going to you know eat up yards and touchdowns right. all. Year. Right. It just it just doesn't. No matter who they are, it just doesn't. A lot of lot of freak athletes in that offense right now. Uh, yeah, with ASJ, Mike Evans, Vincent Jackson, and Tim Wright, and just freak athletes at receiver. And right. I mean, yeah, it's like the Bucks. It's like it's as if the Bucks are interested in scoring touchdowns. Yeah, it's crazy, right? It's just which insane. is crazy for an NFL team. Yeah, I think. absolutely nuts. But uh, you know, they have those big body. But at the same time, I mean. That's the that's the problem. He's not the sole guy like a guy like Kelvin Benjamin is. Um, so it's kind of crazy that he's Benjamin's only like a round higher than him, isn't he in ADP? Yeah, yeah, that doesn't make much sense to me. I mean, yeah, yeah I'm I'm fine with it because I'm not going to take Evans, and I I am going to take Benjamin here and there. But uh, yeah, that 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 doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, so as a Steelers fan, uh, are you going to like? Like weep in jealousy as you watch the big bodies for Tampa Bay catch touchdowns. Yeah, or? I mean, pretty much. We have we have Martavis Bryant, who is just not he, like it's it's funny to me that people think that Bryant's going to be this like relevant receiver year one when that's just not how it works in Pittsburgh. But yeah, it's going to be tough watching uh, little little tiny Antonio <laughs> Brown with with little tiny Marcus Wheaton and even tinier Lance Moore running around the field. Yeah, Lance Moore, red zone monster. Oh my gosh, it's the worst. It's so bad. But they'll still be they'll still be good on offense. Yeah, so shut up, Denny. Yeah. They'll be fine. <laughs> so let's go. So who are some who are some other let's just talk random values, random late round guys that you like. Cause I got yeah. I got a list of, of some. We talked about Eric Decker already. Um do you wanna do you wanna say anything more about Jordan Matthews? Yeah, yeah. The, just the thing I was gonna talk about was that uh, uh, for late round flyer wide receiver types, uh, and I've thought this for for a little while now, but uh, Justin Wynn, uh, who, who's a really good writer for Rotoviz, uh, put it into actual human words today, mm-hmm. and um, uh, talked about how if you're going to take a, a swing on a on a receiver late in the draft in the 12th, 13th, 14th rounds, make it a big guy, you know, make it make it a big fast wide receiver who can actually catch touchdowns. So I'm looking at, at the, the fantasy football calculator ADPs right now, and I'm seeing Justin Hunter in the 12th, Jordan Matthews in the 12th. Um, you, go, you go further down, you have, um, uh, well, way, way down, you have uh, Brian Quick and, and Kenny Britt. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you, you, have, you have these guys who will be red zone relevant if, if they play a full season and if they're utilized correctly. And then you have guys sprinkled in there as late round possible late round selections like uh, like Marcus Wheaton, like Steve Smith, mm-hmm. um, uh, like um, sh- who else is here? Uh, uh, well, Kenny Stills is a little Doug, anyway. Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I know like Doug Baldwin. Yeah, yeah. You're 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 more bullish on on Baldwin than I am. But anyway, so if I'm if I'm taking a swing on a late round receiver, I am making sure. That it is a uh, it's a Brit uh, Hunter Matthews uh, guy, um, you know, because yards uh, largely are replaceable and touchdowns are not, and and I I think that I I don't want anything to do with a guy like Marcus Wheaton in the twelfth round of my draft. I just don't. Oh man, I 
totally agree with the Marcus Wheaton thing. I got I, I talked about that on Twitter last week. Um, just to throw this out there with Wheaton, he's a he, he's ba- I, th- I just think he's going to be Emmanuel Sanders part two. There's reason to believe that. Todd Haley's number twos in his offenses have uh, historically had low yards per catch averages because that's the way he utilizes his number twos, um, and they're just going to feed Antonio Brown. So I'm just throwing that little nugget out there for with regards to, to Marcus Wheaton. But I agree. Mm. I agree with the concept. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna be drafting late round wide receivers, you might as well go with guys that are have the body and the size and of of number one true number one receivers just to go go for it. You know. Exactly. I mean, it's 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 why, you know, I, I a couple years ago I picked up Denario Alexander on every waiver wire right. when he was signed with the Chargers because he fits the mold. He fits the mold of a prototype wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. And and when you find a guy like that, I just think that it's it's good solid process to pick him up and see see what's what, see what happens. Yeah. Uh, and and you know, in that case, it worked. In some cases, Stephen Hill. For instance, it doesn't work. Right. But you know, if I'm if I'm rolling the dice, I'm rolling on a big guy there. Yeah. Um, some other guys that I like, and this guy I cannot believe has a twelfth round ADP in on fantasy football calculators, Justin Hunter. Um mm-hmm. he was the fourth most efficient per target receiver on number fire according to number fire metrics last year. Um and he now has Jake Locker throwing him passes who will throw the ball deeper than than Ryan Fitzpatrick, who loves to check down to his tight ends. Um, so, and, and he, he could be, he's, he's literally the only touchdown, legitimate touchdown threat on that team. Um, mm-hmm. and I think just, just in general, I mean, he caught four, four passes out of his 18 receptions last year for touchdowns. Um, he's in, so he's in the 12th round. I think he has crazy upside. Everyone, I mean, a lot of people are talking about him and I get it, but it's not necessarily re- reflected in ADP and it's definitely not reflected in casual league drafts. Um, so if you have a draft coming up this weekend, I would look at Justin Hunter. You could probably get him as your wide receiver six, to be honest with you. Um, and and I think that's just tremendous value. Like, we, we hate – both of us don't really like Kendall Wright, I know, um, because yeah. he's just he's, – he's, he's so volume dependent. I, I know that people talk about that with Antonio Brown as well. Antonio Brown, like, seems like a, a better version or a glorified version of Kendall Wright, but the difference is that Antonio Brown is much, much more efficient with his targets than Kendall Wright is. It's unbelievable, and I'm not just talking about from a touchdown perspective. Kendall Wright doesn't know how to how to score whatsoever, um, but just in general, he's just way more efficient. But Kendall Wright in in non PPR leagues, I'm never gonna touch, never. Yeah, no, I I don't I don't get the appeal, and you know, I don't know anything about like crisp route running or like hip swivel. I don't, so you know, maybe he's maybe he's good at that, but um, from from a you know, from an actual, you know, from an actual numbers point of view, um, I'm I'm with you 100. percent Yeah, I mean, like it, it just he. I'm looking up his numbers right now. I can't remember the exact. So he has he's played two, two years in the league. He has six touchdown catches and he's got 158 balls. Think about that for a second. For a second, mm-hmm. he has six touchdowns on 158 catches when Justin Hunter has four and 18. Like it's it just it wow. it. It just doesn't make sense. Justin Hunter is clearly the value play in that yeah. in that offensive wide receiver. I mean, it makes I you know, and I know you know this, and I know our listeners know this, but uh, it makes sense when you consider their respective speed and size. Right, right. I mean, it it's does. yeah. They're talking about Justin Hunter being a mini Randy Moss. Let's just see it with Jake Locker, my man. Mm. It's gonna be I'm great. So excited. I can't even talk about it. Um, other guys. Uh, that I do like uh, Ruben Randall. He's been he can fall at times in drafts. I think uh, McAdoo's West Coast offense is going to help him a lot because he's a poor route runner. It'll be quick passes. Um, I think his reception totals should be decent. He'll get more looks because Hakeem Nix is gone. Um, I do like Ruben Randall a lot this year. Maybe not as much as our boy Evan Silva, but I do like Ruben Randall. Um, mm-hmm. And then. <laughs> The the other thing I did so I had Dwayne Bow on here because I know that you've done a lot you like Dwayne Bow a lot right yeah, yeah I <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say it in public but um, but yeah no he's going in the beginning of the ninth round and let me just check real quick I have his ceiling at uh, I have his ceiling at wide receiver twenty four for the yeah. season which is pretty good if you're getting him at wide receiver forty right. so yeah. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, he should. And the other thing, too, is hopefully, and Rich Rebar did a lot of work with this, uh, with game flow stuff with Kansas City, and I know uh, Dwayne Bowe was kind of a... a uh, a result uh, like his, his poor yeah. his poor numbers were the result of, of bad game flow for for Kansas yeah, City it, last year. Yes, yes, exactly. You're right. That's a good point. He was he was a victim of. I couldn't think of the word victim there. I don't know if you could tell. <laughs> I'll help you out here. He was a victim of uh, the Chiefs just sitting on uh, 25 point leads in the second half of games. Right. 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 I mean, after they played after they played every backup quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I think that regression will be his friend, and um, and you know he's less fat, which is good. Nice, yeah, yeah uh, that's good this year. And um, and you know, I mean, look, Alex Smith is never gonna like throw laser beams down the middle to 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 Bo, but uh, you know, I think that as as one of the only legit pass catching options on that team, I I think that he has a he has a pretty he's a pretty safe play at his current ADP. Yeah, and, and if the defense takes a step back a little bit, which is very, very possible because they overachieved last year and they, they don't have as many uh, the same pieces necessarily. So because of that, I think that's another reason that Bo's, Bo's volume could go up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. And then last, the, other, the last guy I just want to touch on is Reggie Wayne. I do love Reggie Wayne this year. I think he's, he's a boring, boring pick, but uh, going in the late seventh round, I, I think that it's a it's a pretty solid like I mean I think he's gonna outscore T Y Hilton straight up this year. Yeah, I saw you said that, and I and I I guess that that's pretty unpopular, right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, like I don't really understand why people like. So I guess we'll just go into the guys that we hate section of this. Like T Y Hilton is my least favorite wide receiver. I think in terms of fantasy value this year. If we if you look last year, uh, through the first seven games with with Reggie Wayne. T.Y. Hilton was averaging 3.8 receptions, a little over 58 yards, and .29 touchdowns per game, and he, which was basically middle to low end wide receiver three numbers, and Reggie Wayne was a wide receiver 17. Um, and then the reason that obviously uh, T.Y. Hilton finished as a, you know a top 20 wide receiver last year was because he just he was getting fed, and there's just no way he's going to be fed this year in that offense. They have Dwayne Allen coming back. They have Hakeem Nix, who he might not play much, but but they do have Reggie Wayne coming back as well. Um, so I think just get, I mean Reggie Wayne is the guy. Like T. Y. Hilton is a vertical. He's a deep threat. That's what he does. That's fine. He's just not a possession receiver, and he's 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 was dependent upon volume last year. Um, and Reggie Wayne might be dependent on volume as well, but he's I think is going to be the one that gets the volume in that offense. So um, I like Wayne as. As a like, if you can get him as a wide receiver four, which is where he's almost being drafted at times, that's great. That's awesome because we know what Reggie Wayne's capable of. I know he's coming off an injury, but all reports say that he's not showing any signs of of that injury uh, in camp and in the preseason. Which that matters. Those kind of those kind of reports matter. Um, just to see yeah. if they're if they're not hobbling. I mean, it's not like a Gronk report where no one knows what's going to happen. Um, right. So I like Reggie Wayne just flat out more than T. Y. Hilton this year. It's not. It's it's close, I guess, but it's not. You know, their ADPs aren't aren't close. They're two or over two rounds apart. Um, and you know, I think uh, the main factor for Reggie Wayne for me is that he showed up to training camp in a uh, in a in some sort of race car. Oh though, yeah, right? yeah, the Indy car. Yeah, in, a, in an Indy car. I don't so. even know what that means. What like what is an Indy car? I don't even know what uh, racing is. Yeah, I don't. When he, I that just was confusing to me, but. Um, <laughs> Because I, I was, I was like, oh, it's like Reggie's, like your Reggie, your your legs not feeling well, so you're gonna take the NASCAR or whatever the hell. It, I don't even know what it is, but I just found it confusing. Anyway, uh, I, I I think you have good points on on Wayne. I'm not really taking him a whole lot, um, but I think that he's pretty safe where he is. I I don't think that he has like a a, a ton of upside. But then again, sure. if you if you're drafting him as a wide receiver four. You're not. You're not. You know. You're not. You don't have to draft him as a wide receiver right. too, like like you did a year ago. The way the way I see Reggie Wayne, um, and I'm not necessarily taking him in a ton of drafts, but the way that I see Reggie Wayne is that if you have a deep lineup, I think that he's a good value because I think he could be a good weekly producer for you. I don't necessarily like you said. I don't think he has tremendous upside, um, but I think that he should be like he could easily be more of a fifth round option, and he's being drafted as a seventh to eighth round one, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, 
His uh, his best case scenario is not currently baked into his ADP. I think we can yeah. safely say that. Exactly, exactly. Um, any guys that you're avoiding this year? I know that avoid. So we should be clear that avoid is not necessarily in our vocabulary, but it's more so just guys that we will most likely not own based on ADP. Yeah, uh, I don't get I don't get Riley Cooper going at wide receiver thirty eight mm-hmm. at, at all. So I'm I, I'm just. I'm kind of checked out there. I agree with that. I got him. I think I got him in the Apex League, but I got him in the tenth round as like the wide receiver sixty-five or something, like something mm-hmm. just absurd. I'm not really. I mean, I'm not really into Riley Cooper. It just happens. Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, um, you know, just below that, Akeem Nix going oh wide receiver forty-one. I yeah, mean, why? Come on, he's this guy. I wrote about this for XN Sports. He Akeem Nix is. Fall in fantasy efficiency is is really un, unlike anything I've ever seen. He hasn't scored a touchdown since your twelfth birthday. Uh, exactly, and that was in the mid nineties. So, <laughs> you know that's that that's weird. Uh, you know, but anyway, you know, I mean, look at Nick's. Uh, hasn't been good for three whole seasons. Yeah, you know, some sort of compartmental situation in his leg. I don't know. I don't get it. I I just I would never draft him there ever. Yeah, he's eighty year uh, old legs. Like they're veiny, right. they're veiny and stuff. <laughs> Hakeem Hakeem Nick's veiny legs. Oh man. <laughs> but if you're in veiny leg bonus leagues, then I think that he's he's clearly a top ten guy. If you're if you're in the the VL leagues, veiny leg leagues. Yeah. The VL, yeah, the mean, VLLs, then you should yeah, you should get them first overall. They're they're coming on, um, and then one other guy. Um, I mean, Terrence Williams. I don't know how you feel about him. I, it, it's like okay, he's going at wide receiver thirty two. Uh, you know, right after Williams is Golden Tate. I I, I think right now. I don't have any reason to take Williams over Golden Tate. I agree, yeah. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, Decker is going after Williams. I, you, so I think Williams is, is a guy who's going to have, like, a couple or maybe even a handful of fantastic uh, stat lines. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and if it's early on, then people will just treat him as a starter for the whole season. But I think that that's uh, a risky proposition and, and one that uh, – one that you you might regret. Uh, I have his. I do. I I will say that I have his high equity score, putting him at wide receiver sixteen. So then now that completely. No, I'm sorry. I was looking at someone else. Uh, I have his wide receiver score. Uh, this is his top score, putting him at wide receiver twenty four. Yeah. So there is a little bit of upside to be had, but not much. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I'm gonna. I'm pretty sure that you like this guy, but I'm gonna talk about him. I don't. I don't like Cordero Patterson. I don't like him. You you like him, right? Yeah. Well, I the thing I think that when people saw me write so much about him in February and March, yeah, I got you. it was in the, under the assumption that I I was madly in love with him, and I was be, at the time because it is redrafted. And wh- why are we talking about redraft ADPs, by the way, in in February? Yeah, that's just crazy. Yeah, that's so bad. That's I, really I mean, not good. I mean, he was going at, at like wide receiver like twenty nine or something yeah. back. And so he's wide receiver seventeen now. I he has one of the widest ranges to me, and it's a terrifying range. Um, I will say that his usage in the first preseason game, the Vikings a game against the Raiders last week, was was actually really. I thought I thought it was encouraging to anyone who already has him. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I think that I am I am higher on Patterson than you. The the, the one thing actually, I, I won't even get into the fact that. He had uh, more than three catches just three times last year. But the the fact is one one really interesting thing. I was listening to the Two Mugs podcast when they had Raymond Summerlin on from from Roto World, which is a great it was a great podcast. Raymond's a great guy on Twitter, um, and he mentioned a really interesting point uh, about remember how the the report came out that Norv Turner was making plays specifically for Cordero Patterson. Yeah, and and what I thought was interesting that Raymond talked about was. The fact that everyone said, oh, that's so great. Cordero Patterson's going to get the ball more in the offense. But Raymond was talking about how that could be actually really bad because he's now force-feeding the, the ball to Cordero Patterson because he can't just get the ball naturally in that offense, which is kind of yeah. an, an interesting angle to think about because everyone knows that Cordero Patterson 
his trouble is not his athleticism. It's the fact that he's not a pure wide receiver. He's, he hasn't transitioned fully yet. Like, that's the way, when he was drafted, that's the way that he was drafted. Everyone knew that, that he wasn't NFL ready, perhaps. So um, I think that's a really interesting point. Um, and that's another reason to me, when you look at his ADP, I mean, it's crazy. Like, I think his ceiling is kind of baked into his ADP in a way, uh, if you're looking at a realistic ceiling. And, you know, there are players like Michael Floyd and Michael Crabtree and Andre Johnson that are being drafted around him. And I, I just don't see, I, I see their ceilings as higher than Cordero's. And I all, all, like, honestly, some of the guys being drafted around Cordero Patterson in some drafts, their, their expectation is his ceiling to me. So yeah, that's my, that's my general trouble. It's not so much that I think he's going to have a bad year. I don't think he's going to have a bad season. It's just the, the cost that you have to, to spend uh, in order to get him. And, you know, the disaster that could actually come come forth. And I don't think his upside is nearly high enough to, to warrant that. I think I think it's important to remember if you are going to go all in on Patterson and redraft, it's important to remember that uh, he will be the, the first non-traditional wide receiver one to thrive in North Turner's offense. Right. Um, and by non-traditional, I mean a guy who is not going to make his living catching deep passes like a Vincent Jackson, like a Denario Alexander, uh, um, you know, like a, even like a Michael Irvin uh, back in, in Turner's days in, in, in Dallas. Uh, so that's just – and Josh Gordon last year. So, you know, he, he would have to break the mold as far as, as Turner is, is concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're, you're, you're banking on something that hasn't happened yet. And you know what? Sometimes that's, that's how, you know, that's why the same 10% of people always win championships, fantasy championships, because they, uh, they don't have to see it before they believe it. Right. And maybe that's the case. I just, I mean, I'm so conflicted. Just listen to me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like I get the allure with it, but I'm just you know, like I just think if you take a step back and look at like what's realistically going to happen in that passing offense in Minnesota, you know, like North Turner's great, I I get it, like he's he's awesome, but it's not like that passing offense was spectacular last year, and it's not like like the thing with rookie quarterbacks too in general, like like we're assuming that Teddy Bridgewater is is going to start for them. You know, like we we look at the upside with them only. It's the same thing that we talked about with Manziel, or what I what I argued for with Manziel in the last podcast. Like things with rookie quarterbacks can go disastrously wrong as well. More often, you know, it's not like it's not like rookie quarterbacks often throw for thirty five hundred yards in the season, and it's not like they often throw for twenty or more touchdowns. So I know it's a different NFL nowadays, but it's not like the odds are really in favor of this passing offense to sustain you know, a true number one wide receiver. I understand Josh Gordon, you know, was unbelievable last year and whatnot, but, but well, he wasn't a rookie, or sorry, it's not like was a rookie, sorry. It wasn't that he was getting passes from a rookie quarterback, number one, but number two, he's also getting an unreal amount of targets and, and a percentage of targets. And number three, they were one of the most pass-heavy teams in the entire NFL, and I don't think that's going to happen with Adrian Peterson as their running back. Um. I, as a Patterson apologist, I actually hope that Matt Castle played the entire season. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that that's very true. <laughs> like, it's just there's a lot of reasons to not like Cordero, and I that's why I'm just surprised that his ADP is actually I shouldn't say surprised, but that's why I don't mm-hmm. like his his current cost. Yeah. Um, are there any other guys that you want to touch on that you're just not drafting? No, I think I got through them all. Okay, cool. So I think that kind of wraps things up. We're kind of hitting the uh, the end mark here, so we're probably not going to be able to get any questions from Twitter. Um, but, sorry, guys. Yeah, sorry. We'll get more. Like, once the season starts, we usually crush our streamers in, like, 15 minutes, and then we just answer questions, and it's fun because I'm terrible at reading handles. <laughs> so, so, it's so much fun to hear you do that. Uh, it's the worst. It's the absolute worst. Um, do you want to rant, Dennis? I do just for a minute uh, and uh, time me. Ready? Go. Um, so there's a there's a, a lyric in uh, St- uh, Stevie Wonder's fantastic song St- Superstition, of which I have like 11 remixes because it's on my Halloween playlist that I play at my party every year. <laughs> yes, that's all true, and my my friends can confirm. Um, uh, there's a there's a lyric that I think that relates to things that I hear in fantasy football circles this time of year, and the lyric goes, 
when you believe in things that you don't understand, then you suffer. Superstition ain't the way, okay? So I heard that line and I thought about this, these conversations that I see on Twitter and that I hear among like, you know, like my friends who talk about fantasy football, where they'll have this long conversation about a player or a team and then they'll dismiss it all by saying, eh, but he's always injured. Eh, but, you know, but hey, remember last year when he crapped out in week 16, cost me, I'm not, he's dead to me, this and that. And it's like the, these like these like superstitious takes on players where mm-hmm. uh, their whole way of evaluating a player is is on these like really fluky events or like extremely small sample sizes. I know that's nothing new. I'm not like revealing any like great secret of fantasy football here, but but I heard that lyric today, and I uh, I just thought I just thought, my God, Stevie, you're talking to the fantasy football <laughs> Twitter right now. That's thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I dig it. Yeah, and that's all I got. How about you? You have a rant? I do. Uh, I think that I ran about this like four times a year, though. Um, so I just think that you or anyone as a reader, uh, if you're gonna click an article and that has a lot of information in it, and if you just you know like barely read it or just look at the headline or just look at maybe a paragraph or two. And then you make a smart-ass remark to the person who wrote that article or you're completely just really mean about the article. Um, I can take mean people. That's fine. I have a lot of them in my timeline. Uh, but I just think that it's it's like, come on. Like there, So there are there was an article today that was posted on Number Fire and someone made a comment and it was it just you know, it said that the article was horrible. Like he used the word horrible as if, as if an article, like no article is really like, not like what is horrible. It's not an article. Horrible is a very strong word to use for an article, but he, <laughs> he overlooked something very important within the article and he looked like an idiot because he overlooked something that was right in front of his face. So I know that I'm only talking to like 1% of, not even 1% of people that hopefully no one that's actually listening to this podcast, but if you're going to comment on an article Make sure you read the whole article and just be intelligent about it. And I know that this is just something that's never going to be cured on the internet because it's the internet. But I'm going to rant about it because that's what this section of the podcast is all about. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if you don't read the full article, don't comment on the article. If you read the whole article and you have an intelligent comment to make, make it and then we'll all be better for it. Yeah, you got to bring you got to bring your A game if you if you're going to if you're going to go to town on a on an article. I mean, you you have to like read every word. Yeah. Very slowly digest it, understand it before you go and and blow someone up on Twitter. Yeah, it's just I just I don't even like who are these people that say things like that? Like who who like I I don't think I've ever actually like commented on anything or or like watched something or did something and that was someone's not even not even just their livelihood but something they clearly spent time on and just say to that person tell them how horrible it was. You know what? I think the, these are the same people who, if you met them in person and showed them your article, they would say, "Oh, that's actually pretty good." Yeah, Solid. yeah, yeah good point. Solid point. Hey, nice to meet you. All right, see you around. Yeah, very good. Uh, point. It's just the, the the anonymity brings out the worst. I think I think we can all say that we are our worst selves on Twitter. Oh <laughs> yeah, mean, absolutely. I'm a, just, I'm a horrible human being sometimes on Twitter. Yeah, sometimes you're you're always terrible. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Anyway, all right, Denny. Well, it was great finally talking with you again. We, I know. I, I miss you. Miss you too, man. <laughs> where can, tell everyone where they can find you at. Uh, it's at CD Carter thirteen on the Twitters. And uh, before you make your first NFL daily fantasy deposit, spend two hundred ninety nine pennies and buy uh, How to Think Like a Daily Fantasy Football Winner available on iTunes and the Amazon Machine. Boom. Feed Xavier Fund. Yes. Uh, I'm JJ Zacharyson. You can find me on Twitter at LateRoundQB. Um, I have lots of articles on NumberFire.com. And I did write a, a new massive article on LateRoundQB.com, which was fun. Now I can just send that link out whenever anyone starts to tell me that you should draft an early quarterback. It is really player. good. I, I have to say it is. It's, it's excellent. It's comprehensive. It It's just something that... I feel like you can just send that link anytime someone's like, but Peyton, Dude, then you can just 
I was, Send that link. I was, I, I was talking to Leo Howell uh, earlier tonight on his podcast, and I was saying how, like, selfishly, the only reason I actually wrote that article is that I didn't have to argue about quarterbacks on Twitter anymore. I can just send them the link and just be I, done with I it. Don't, I honestly, I, I don't think that's a bad idea at all. I, th- I'm, I'm actually motivated to not argue. That's, that's what motivates me to write articles now. <laughs> <laughs> just to not argue. That's, that's it. That's the only reason why I wrote about Johnny Manziel. I was just sick of it. It's a good idea. Yeah. Anyway, all right. All right, Dennis. Let's go, uh, let's go get some milkshakes. All right, let's do it. All right, guys. Thanks for listening this week. We'll catch you with the next one. Thank you for listening to Live in the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the Internet Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now. It won't take long. It's fast. For more fantasy football.